0: So have you heard? There's a presidential election coming up. It'd be nice if somebody would tell me these things. What kind of leader are you hoping to get? Now, I have an aversion to politics. This comes as something of a chagrin to my wife who works on Capitol Hill. But I am concerned when candidates feel that it's okay to launch their official campaigns as early as a year and a half before the big day. The amount of time and money that gets poured into a presidential campaign boggles the mind, especially when you factor in all those campaigns that grind to a halt early, far, far far short of their goal. I really haven't been all that impressed by any of the candidates who have come forward for the upcoming election, but I doubt that any of them particularly care about that. Pastors aren't meant to be political spokespeople, and that is fine by me. The way campaigns have moved along this year, I really wouldn't be surprised if something is yet to happen that could be included in a storyline for House of Cards. It feels like we have had a much larger array of choices before us in terms of presidential candidates this election cycle. Some of them are career politicians, while others are newcomers, people who have never yet held an elected office. But one attribute that these men and women do seem to share, though, is ambition. Ambition, that drive to accomplish your goals, isn't a bad thing. What can be an issue, though, is if those goals are bad ones, self-serving, self-interested, short-sighted, sinful goals. Well, that's reason for us to be concerned. The best president would be one whose character reflects self-giving ambition, a drive to care for and to serve the nation that they are called to lead. So, what are people looking for? in a president? Or maybe if we dial it back and look at it from a larger perspective, what are people looking for in any good leader? Candidates who are up for election tend to point to their accomplishments as evidence for their qualification for whatever position it is that they are seeking. And that makes sense. And after all, the specifics of what that leader is being called to do will change based on what work they're supposed to accomplish or the group that they're being brought in to lead. But people generally want a leader who can deliver, a leader who can get the job done, do what needs to be done. The proof of their capability, of their merit, is in what's delivered. So what kind of leader does Jesus appear to be? Our reading for Palm Sunday recounts Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem in the days leading up to the great Passover. The crowds hail him. They shout, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus looks like everything that the people have been hoping to get in a leader. He's one who miraculously heals people. He miraculously feeds people. He even teaches the people about God. He rides into the city on a donkey, a sign that he comes in peace. They wave and lay down palm branches before him as they welcome him in. But less than a week later, this same Jesus hangs, bloodied and beaten, on a cross. He suffered without complaint. He didn't stand up for himself. Even his closest friends deserted him when his enemies came for him. What kind of a leader is this? doesn't really look like he can deliver, does it? Now, you might not be a leader. You've probably never been welcomed into a city as people hailed you with shouts of welcome. But have you ever been judged, or measured, and your worth decided based on what people thought you could deliver? Maybe it was grades, or goals, or dollars, or some other kind of metric. What do your accomplishments, or maybe the lack thereof, have to say about you? Even if you performed it at the very highest level, though, you'll never be able to deliver everything that people are hoping to get. You'll never be able to meet every expectation. Well, God has high expectations for you and me both, the highest perfection. So what can we do about that? If Jesus is the perfect son of God, the innocent one, and he is beaten and executed. What about us who are legitimately guilty? How are we supposed to find any hope before God? How will we be justified? How will we be put in the clear? Who's going to vindicate us? Can Jesus' sacrifice really get the job done? How can we really know that he is the one who would deliver? We'll look to Luke's account of Jesus' crucifixion and see. Three witnesses declare that Jesus is indeed the one who can deliver. A Gentile centurion, God's own temple there in Jerusalem, and the created order itself The darkness that falls over the land as the sun fails at the height of the day from noon to 3 p.m. when it should be at its peak is an indication of the significance of what is going on there on the cross. Evil is threatening to destroy creation, to overthrow it and return it into the chaos that was before God separated darkness and light. The earth quakes as the old order dies with Christ's ultimate sacrifice and a new age is inaugurated. The curtain of the temple that separated the people from the presence of God is torn in two as the way to God is made open to all through Jesus' victorious campaign coming to an end there on the cross to save our broken world. The Roman centurion who oversaw Jesus' crucifixion couldn't have known about that temple curtain, but what he did know is that this man was unlike any other. He had never seen things before. This king of the Jews was something else. Jesus did not curse those who put him to death. He prayed for them. He asked for them to be forgiven. He spoke words of love from the cross. And after hours of hanging up there in the midday darkness, he somehow had the strength to loudly call out to God when he gave up his spirit. It amazed the centurion, leading him to exclaim that Jesus was righteous. He was innocent. Indeed, he was the innocent one, the Son of God. So is Jesus the leader that you and I need? The one who could do what needed to be done for us? Yes. Jesus' whole life embodied servant leadership. And on the cross, he gave himself over to suffering the separation from God that our sin, our failure to meet expectation has deserved. Jesus came to be the ultimate fulfillment to God's promise that we heard from Deuteronomy 32. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. Through Christ, God vindicated you. He declared you innocent and worthy. You had no power to justify yourself So God does it in your place. Jesus is the leader who delivers. He delivers you. We're entering into Holy Week. We are journeying to the high point of the whole church year. So follow Jesus from his triumphal entry to his cross. He is the servant leader that we need, not in it for himself, but for you, for me. Following him, deny yourself. Each of us has choices waiting ahead of us. Some of those choices might be clearer than others. But our choices don't vindicate us. They can't make us right before God. Jesus does that. But as people who follow Jesus, we are called to make the loving choice. The loving choice might not be the easy one. It might not be popular. It might be painful. The loving choice isn't always going to be easy, but it will be the self-giving one that reflects Jesus' leadership as the servant of all. Follow Jesus to the cross because he delivers. But don't stop following at the cross. Like Jesus' disciples and his friends who stood at a distance and watched his death, you might be tempted to think that because his campaign for us ended at the cross, his story ends there too. It doesn't. Keep following Jesus to Easter, to the empty tomb, and see how his story and your story is far from over. The greatest vindication is yet to come. Amen.